every Monday at 4pm on your community radio, 3CR. We are still fired up and we're still talking about revolution. Hello, welcome to Doing Time Show. I'm Peter and Marissa's here. We're going to have an action-packed show. Absolutely, yeah. This is Marissa as well and Peter and I are going to be doing a special broadcast today on the 10-year apology of Kevin Rudd, the then Prime Minister um, of Labor. And obviously, we all know who Kevin Rudd apologised to. He apologised to First Nations people and he actually gave out an apology not only about stolen generation but about the ongoing atrocities that happened during the process of colonisation. And this is the Do and Time Show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM on the dial, streaming live on www.3cr.org.au. And we'll be discussing such topics today um, as not just stolen generation, the process of colonisation. Did um, Kevin Rudd actually walk his talk? Have the existing governments um, after him walked their talk? And we'll be talking about a range of topics. First up, we're going to be speaking with Barbara Shaw, um, an NT elder from um, Alice Springs. And then after that, we'll speak with Sam Watson from Queensland. And after that, we'll speak with Lydia Thorpe, a proud Gunai woman from Victoria. And we recently interviewed Lydia um, as she, well, she's, we've interviewed her several times actually, and we provided extensive coverage about her recently being elected as an MP um, of the Greens for the Victorian Parliament. So it's approximately 4.01, so that's our introduction for the show. And pretty soon um, Peter will be playing us some music and we'll be lining up Barbara Shaw shortly, I hope. And um, this song's called Locked Up by um, Briggs, Marley and Spinifex Gum. And you're back with the Doing Time show. And unfortunately, we haven't been able to get on to Barbara Shaw, but um, we will try to speak to her later on the show. In the meantime, we have got um, Sam Watson, who's very kindly agreed to be our first interview. Hello, Sam. Welcome to the program. G'day. How's it going down there? Yeah. Hi, Sam. How are you? All right. (laughs) Just all right. (laughs) Yeah, so... We're not the Commonwealth Games precinct, so I can use... Phrases like "g'day" without any drama. What's that? The, that's Australian sayings like "g'day" aren't a band in the Commonwealth Games precinct because they're apparently a little bit coarse or something. So. Oh, really? Yeah. So anyway, that's hey. weird. That's, another, that's, that's a bit that's weird. Another, another story. Another story. Um, what's whatever next? It's becoming pretty PC now, isn't it? We can't say oh, "g'day." Yeah. Yeah, 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 that's right. So. <laughs> it's becoming yeah. a hipster upper class mentality, isn't it? Eh? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good way to start. Sam, um, first of all, and I know this, I always try to do this as a as a common ritual at the beginning. Could you just um, tell listeners, there may even be new listeners tuning in as we speak, um, tell listeners what land you're from. Okay, the greater, greater Brisbane area is land of the Jagada language group and I have blood ties into... Country right across the Chagada language group and down to the southwest, um, down towards the mountain ranges. So, Wanjabara and up this way, the Chagada people, 
and uh, out onto Moulton Bay, um, the Nudakal Nugi mob as well, but uh, up to central Queensland, the Bidigaba, people of the Witty language group, and then I got a blood connection to Kalkadoo mob around Maniza and up into the Cape Country, uh, the Wick people, and got family on places like Sherbrooke, Warabinda, Palm Island, and up in the uh, Gulf Country. So, big family. That is a big family. Yeah, cause Lex Watton's from Palm Island, isn't he? Yeah, Lex, brother Lex, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Sam. So we were just speaking earlier on in the show during our introduction about the fact that we're going to be interviewing um, various elders about what they think 10 years on about the apology of Kevin Rudd, the then Prime Minister, 10 years ago. Can you explain to us, give us a bit of background about that apology and what you think has happened since then, if anything? Oh, okay. Well, back in... uh 2007, um, the Howard government was voted out. Uh, I remember um, Howard desperately tried to reignite the the uh, coalition's electoral situation by introducing the Northern Territory emergency response and declaring that uh, all Aboriginal men across uh, Northern Territory on those 73 uh Destinated communities were all pedophiles and they had uh, sex rings going and all this sort of gear, which is an absolute load of garbage. So, Howard attempted that. Um, he was uh, voted out, and then in came the, the Rudd led opposition. So, Kevin Rudd, in launching the, uh, the new Labor government in February 2008, Kevin Rudd, uh, as the incoming Prime Minister, uh, declared that he was going to opened his new government uh, by offering an apology to members of the Stolen Generation, which is something that uh, Howard had found himself unable to do. Uh, and um, Howard had ruled from uh, 2000, sorry, 1996 to 2007, and he had totally uh, launched assault after assault uh, upon Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. So Howard was, uh, was bad news. And Howard, of course, never offered an apology and turned his back uh, on, on Aboriginal people. So Rudd comes in and then uh, February 13, 2008, following on from the spirit and intent of the uh, report from the Bringing Them Home report uh, that was handed down by Sir Ronald Wilson, um, Kevin Rudd opened the new parliament with a formal traditional welcome to country that was conducted by the Ngunnawal people of the Canberra region, uh, led by Aunty Matilda House and her family. And then, uh, of course, he got to his feet and uh, offered the apology. And there were thousands of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people throughout the, uh, the pre- parliamentary precincts, um, thousands on the lawns with the big screens and uh, down at the Aboriginal embassy. There was big mob down there too, so I've never seen so many so many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the area. So the apology is hand down. Now, uh, this this year, on February 13th, the 10th anniversary, again, our mob gathered right around the countryside and, um, and looked back on those 10 years and uh, reflected on the, the value of the apology and uh, what had been achieved and... Uh, what are the challenges ahead here here in uh, Queensland, here in Brisbane? Uh, 
we gathered on the on the Brisbane River, known in our language as Mawa, uh, gathered on the river uh, with elders and senior people from our community. And uh, Kevin Rudd laid a wreath. Uh, Kevin Rudd, his wife, laid a wreath uh, there at a very special site uh, to members of our stolen generation. So last Sunday morning, uh, Kevin and his group laid the wreath, and we had a uh, big ceremony and uh, remembered. Uh, the pain, suffering and trauma of the stolen generations. Then on Tuesday, of course, Tuesday, the actual day, the 13th, we uh, all gathered at the community of Musgrave Park and uh, we had another big day to commemorate the day. So on looking back at the, the value of the apology, um, to people who were members of the stolen generation, to people who had been removed, uh, it meant a great deal to, to many Many others, of course. Uh, the fact that uh, the Rudd government didn't offer any uh, any financial reparations was a was a flaw in the process, and that's still being talked about. Um, and we still look at the frontline agencies like Link Up and the Bringing Home uh, people, and uh, we're still seeing that there's still hundreds, thousands uh, of our mob. It was still disconnected from uh, from family, from community, from culture. So, in Link Up here in Queensland, I'm the state chair of Link Up. We have officers in Brisbane, Townsville, Mount Isa, and Cairns, and uh, we service the entire state. And we have uh, large numbers of cases still active. We have, still have large numbers of our people coming uh, through our front doors every every week, looking for help to reconnect to to their families, to their mould. Uh, and in the courts, every single court uh, at every different level in Queensland, uh, you still have uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who are victims of the Stolen Generation era coming for the courts because that, uh, that process uh, stripped them of their rights as, as human beings and caused enormous trauma and enormous hurt and enormous pain. So our mob is still living at that. And that uh, drives them into uh, some very dark places where they unfortunately uh, commit uh, antisocial behaviour. So they're, they're not criminals, they're just uh, people who need to be taken on that healing journey. So this is an important time. So we've come to that period now, we're sort of building up to the 26th of May, which is the National Sorry Day. And uh, here in Brisbane and right across Queensland and right across Australia, We'll be uh, we'll be observing National Sorry Week, and uh, we'll be again remembering and honouring uh, what what happened to those of our mob who were forcibly removed. Yeah, it's you know, Sam. It's good. That's a fantastic thing that that um, Kevin Rudd did, isn't it? That the apology, and I think it's fantastic. But at the same time. What has actually been achieved over these 10 years on a practical level? Well, at a, at a practical level, I've, I've always believed that uh, at, at the time that uh, our, our children and grandchildren were forcibly removed from their families, from their families' homes, from their communities and cultures, and taken away and brought up in those terrible dormitories, um, yeah. then... They were victims of a criminal act, uh, and 
and I, I, was, I was a law student back in the day, and I spent a great deal of time, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, in the in the law courts of Queensland. And uh, to my way of thinking, to my understanding, uh, if you're a victim of a criminal act, uh, then you are fully entitled to criminal compensation. And uh, and our people, then that are hungry, they're not uh, money grabbers or ridiculous chasers. No, no, they just believe that uh, they were wrongly done by and. As we see, there's a direct uh, correlation between the um, between those enormous crimes committed against our people and the uh, the high arrest rates, the high imprisonment rates, the high rates of, of social deviance. Um, because we see that uh, out of those uh, 99 Aboriginal deaths in custody, they're examined by the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. That uh, there were 67 of those. Uh, Victims of the death in custody were in fact stolen generation people. So, so they uh, they suffered enormously as children, and then uh, they were then came to the attention of police or prison officers, and uh, and they lost their lives. So you can't uh, you can't place a dollar value against that, but uh, but at least you can uh, engage with with our stolen generation mob and put a try to put a dollar value on what they went through. And try to assist them to either, you know, to buy their own homes, uh, to uh, start their own businesses, try to give them some sort of uh, new direction, new focus in life. Because um, as we've seen with stolen wages, for example, a lot of our a lot of our mob have taken the the paltry uh, handful of coins that governments have offered that are stolen wages people. Uh, the old people have taken the money because they said that. Uh, they just tired of fighting, and they just wanted to take the money and use it as coffin yeah. money, so that at least their children, and grandchildren, didn't have to pay for their coffins. So, not good enough. Not good enough. So, even as we go through this period, and uh, even though we we do um, accept the uh, the strong and uh, you know uh, dynamic symbolism of that of that moment uh, of the national apology back in two thousand eight. Um, the journey is still not being completed. The the healing is still not completed. The uh, there still must be an enormous amount done. And to this day, we see that uh, tens of millions of dollars uh, of money allocated to expenditure on, on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander programs is still going into the pockets of uh, of white bureaucrats. So, and while we're getting very little value out of the billions of dollars expanded in Aboriginal affairs because it's uh, it's being eaten up by white bureaucrats. You see in employment programs, health programs, housing, education, uh, legal aid, etc., that uh, everybody seems to have their nose in the tool, you know, that, uh, and our mob are getting very little benefit. So we need to get back to the old style of, of thinking and, uh, and fund our frontline agencies because it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who know what has to be done and who can readily engage with members of their own community and drive these community programs. Absolutely. And I, and I think it's, it's, it's a really good perspective um, that you've got there, Sam, because, you know, it's in many ways, it's all about self-determination too, isn't it? It's not just about um, it, like, it's about people taking control, isn't it? Community mm. control. And ownership, because our mob have to be able to own the process. Yeah. And uh, 
so many times, I mean, uh, you know, so many times you front up to uh, Centrelink and they just uh, feel like their numbers, uh, faceless uh, numbers that uh, nobody gives them respect anymore. And uh, how mob, I mean, uh, I'm on Centrelink payments because I don't have a job and uh, because of the way they're running the pension system, even though I'm, I'm a, a, of an age to qualify for old age pension, I still can't do that until another, another three or four months. So I've got to go through the process of going up to Centrelink and, uh, and lining up with some old and uh, going through all the business. And thousands, tens of thousands of people across Australia uh, from from every background are having to go through this uh, because the government's failing. The government, uh, state and federal level, are failing to gear up uh, the economy, failing to gear up the job market so that uh, people who don't have the skills or the education to compete in today's world just uh, fall through the cracks. And time after time after time, uh, the the government will punish uh, people for, for the most minor infractions. I mean, it's people true. are being penalised. People are being penalised and, mm. and uh, you know, Penalised and struck off the uh, off the, the files and missing out on their benefits uh, because they didn't make a, an interview or something. You know, which is absolutely rubbish. And and so many of our models don't have access to computers or the internet, and uh, and yet they've got to apply for twenty twenty five jobs every every ten days or something, which is which is rubbish because a lot of our models just don't have those skills. They don't have the the year twelve uh, certificate. They don't have any tertiary education. They don't have the trade certificate. They they don't have the uh, capacity or the ability to, to, like I said, get out there and uh, compete on, on today's very competitive job market. And they're the ones who miss out. And yet also, Sam, I'm not sure, I'm sure you would have heard this, about this. That I've, I hear on countless occasions where a lot of Aboriginal people don't have birth certificates mm. because of all the, the stolen generation... Um, sagas. They some of them don't have birth certificates, and they're not able to apply for things. I mean, especially right. old pe- the old people. The old people yeah. don't have birth certificates because they they're all buried or or twisted, isn't it? That's right. Because back in uh, December uh, nineteen eighty nine, which is two years back, when the uh, we had we had twenty years of conservative government under people like Joe Bajolki Peterson, and. In December '89, young Labor leader by the name of Wayne Goss was able to lead his party to victory and cast out the, uh, the Conservative government. When we went in to have a meeting with the, the incoming government on that Sunday, uh, the day after the election, we saw that uh, there were these trucks backing into the old Department of Native Affairs, and uh, they were loading up boxes and boxes of records. And we asked the uh, the truckies, you know, uh, where what, what is going on? And they said that uh, the government's destroying all these uh, records from the era of the state protector of native affairs. That so they were boxing them and uh, taking them out to the barn dump to burn them. Uh, and these are the records. These are records of of stolen wages. These are the records of people who are forcibly removed. These are the records of uh, of people who worked for decades. For white employers, and the, their wages were not paid to them. Their wages were paid into the welfare accounts. But the outgoing Conservative government, in order to to avoid any form of criminal responsibility or criminal accountability, uh, 
had the records destroyed. So that has happened across every jurisdiction. So it's very difficult for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people to then build uh, legal cases to reclaim that money that's owed to them uh, through the system. We, we know that uh, here in Queensland, for example, um, the money was administered through the State Department of Administrative Affairs. So tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, even millions of dollars uh, in unpaid wages that should have gone to Aboriginal Trust on the people um, were used to build public hospitals and public utilities. Uh, and that's fine, you know, that, uh, that'll serve the general community. But at the end of the day, that, that is money that is, was earned through the hard sweat, hard labour uh, of our fathers and grandfathers and grand grandmothers, you know. So, that's stealing. Mm, that's right. That's right. It's yeah. stealing, uh, not just of money, but also of identity. And, and I hear so many stories of people that have lost their families that are still looking for their family now as we mm. speak. Mm. And, and that's why we wanted to do the radio broadcast today, Sam. Mm. And, and I'm not here to criticise um, the apology because it, it was symbolic and it does have a place, I believe, in history. However... You know, all these things that we're talking about, you know, this so-called closing the gap, the, the, the scars, the wounds that have, that have arisen for Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders through the process of colonisation. And there are some positive things happening too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there isn't. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's just so much more work to be done. Mm, you'll see the correlation between the stolen wages and the stolen generations is that uh, on the back of the days, uh, you know, and I was talking about um, up to the 70s and 80s, uh, which is 40-odd years ago, that um, large numbers of our people were kids of fourth degree removed, brought up the dormitories, young girls were trained as domestics, and then when they were you know, 13, 14 years of age, they were put out into the white stations, and they were during the daytime, they'd work for the uh, the bosses in the kitchens and the laundries. And then at night time, a lot of these places, the young white men on the station used these young girls as unpaid sex slides. Of course. And the young boys, of course, they were put, put in dormitories and, and brought up and trained as, uh, as, as uh, you know, to work the cattle, to work the sheep. Uh, and again, they were also abused and uh, taken advantage of. So, so and then to, to compound the... the Terror, you know, the terror of what was happening. Uh, they weren't even. They didn't even receive their, their wages because the wages, because they were under the Act, their wages were paid into those welfare funds. So, so they suffered all the indignity and, and pain and trauma of being forcibly removed. They went through their lives without their families, without their, any knowledge of their cultural country. And it's uh, through organisations like Link Up and the Bringing Them Home uh, agencies that are now trying to relocate them to to where they originally come from. So so people do question uh, the value of of, uh, of what has been happening over the last 10, 15, 20 years, the close and the gap reports. I mean, here again this year, uh, when Turnbull handed down the, the close and gap report, there were, there were 10 uh, criteria, and uh, and I think uh, only on three, only on three, uh, has there been any marked improvement. Here in Queensland, I think there's one. Uh, Which was? And which was the uh, school attendance. Oh, yeah. but, you and know, that's again, it. That, that's it. But, 
you still have, I mean, I go to the, medical, the Aboriginal Medical Service on a regular basis, and I'm still sitting there and, uh, and seeing uh, blokes my age, you know, 65, uh, they're absolute wrecks. And, uh, yeah. the, and they, I know they're not going to live a full life. You know, they, they're, going to, they're going to die. They're going to perish because of hmm. the terrible epidemics like uh, diabetes. Um, and right. because of the, the pain and pain and, and suffering they're going through, um, they turn to you know cigarettes and, uh, and alcohol in order to absolutely you know, to just get through the day, and um, and this is destroying them. You know, so uh, it is, and not to to mention incarceration as well, which we right. we briefly touched upon with the deaths in custody as well. It's approximately four twenty eight, and we've got about two minutes before we speak to Lydia Thorpe from Victoria. Um, but Sam, thank you so much for coming onto the program. It's well, been great to have like, you. Congratulate young Lydia on her election mm-hmm. uh, up here in Queensland. Uh, the state parliament, uh, the new state parliament, opened uh, last week, and we had a new. We have two two Indigenous women in the state parliament. There's ninety three seats in Queensland, and we have uh, have our Leanne uh, Leanne Enoch Good. as a minister of the of the Palaszczuk government. Also, a brilliant young woman from the Torres Strait, uh, Cynthia Louie. Is the Fantastic. first Torres Strait Islander member of the parliament and first Torres Strait Islander woman to uh, to represent a state seat. So, so you know, um, step by step, uh, we're, we're we're getting there, and uh, we're showing that uh, we're not going away, and, and the struggle's going forward, and being led by brilliant young people like uh, Leanne Enoch and uh, Cynthia Louis. So, more power to them. Good on you, Sam. Thanks a lot, and take care of yourself. Thanks. Take care, y'all. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. And that was Sam Watson um, speaking about the stolen generation and some some very important reflections um, leading up to Sorry Day on the 26th of May and also in regards to the Rudd apology 10 years ago. I believe it was the anniversary this February. So we're going to be speaking now very shortly with Lydia Thorpe. Um, Has your subscription lapsed? We want you back. Spend more than the evening with us. Reunite with us. Subscribe to 3CR and get excited. Call 9419 8377 or donate online 3cr.org.au And let's get back together. It'll feel so good. And you're back with the Doing Time show and we've got Peter here also pushing buttons. It's approximately 4.34. And we're speaking now with Lydia Thorpe from Victoria Um, and she's the... the, um, Northcote MP Greens. Hello, Lydia. Oh, Lydia, sorry. Lydia, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, yeah I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear, hear from you, Lydia. And as we were speaking, we were speaking off air just before um, we were speaking to Sam Watson about the 
reflections of the 10-year apology um, of mm. Kevin Rudd. And I'm wondering if you wanted to talk to us about what your reflections are about that and, you know, all the, with the lead-up to Sorry Day in May. Um, yeah, well, you know, 10 years later and we're now dealing with 17,000 Aboriginal children in out-of-home care across this country and 2,000 of, of those are Victorian. So... Not sure I can say um, we've achieved a lot in the last 10 years. Um, and I know those statistics, you know, have grown rather than, than declined. Um, declined. Um, so, it's, what, yeah, when you, if you say sorry, I thought that meant that you don't do it again. Mm. And to see statistics um, like that, it kind of, makes you think, you know, what what has changed? What why do we have royal commissions? Should we have a royal commission into royal commissions when, you know, particularly around incarceration of our people and and um, removal of children and you look at, you know, the outstanding recommendations that still haven't been fulfilled. Um, they're the things that come to my mind about the apology. Um, and also what comes to my mind is, is um, what a political football it's become in terms of who's promising what for something that is, is so well overdue. Um, and we've lost so many people in that time period. Too many, Lydia. Mm. And it's, you know, for, for someone on the ground, even though, you know, I'm I'm an MP now. I still am a very big part of my community and very in touch with my people. And, you know, the loss and grief continues. <laughs> people, families are are still living in fear of having their children taken away. And families are really struggling to survive out there. So, I don't know. What, what do we celebrate? I mean, I, I went to a, a day at the at the Aborigines Advancement League, and the the room was just full of pain and sorrow and sadness, and there was not a dry eye in that room, and it was it was very stressful. I walked away really stressed. And Which day was that, Lydia? On on sorry day. Oh yes, yes. Um, you know, and I sat with two people from the stolen generation who who I've grown up with, and you know they're in their um, late forties or, or mid forties, and they were sisters, and they said to me, "We just want to make it till we're 50. Oh my god! So to go back to my office with that in my mind, you know, I was quite, um, I was infuriated. And then to, you know, be asked to comment on radio and things, well, no, I'm, I'm not, I can't celebrate that. No. And I can't be happy about it. And, you know, I just think that this country needs to wake up to itself and pay what's overdue to the people that are suffering the most. Yeah, Sam Watson actually expressed similar reflections to you, Lydia. 
And he spoke a lot about the stolen wages campaign. Yep. And talked yep. a lot about the criminal acts that were engendered through the stolen generation process. And talked a lot about That's the history right. as well. Yeah. I, I don't see too many people arguing with that no. point, except for the far right who don't think that, you know, anything anything happened or anything's owed. Um, and that's where we just got to keep, you know, keep it, keep it at the top of the agenda and uh, bring it to light, you know, and, and continue to tell the truth of the real history of this country, which is something that I um, will continue to do as, as a, you know, as the Aboriginal MP in the Victorian Parliament. That does need to to be discussed and, you know, speaking not only as a radio broadcaster but also as a child of Italian migrants, um, I feel like I have been completely robbed of my knowledge of Aboriginal history going to school Mm. and I have spent my lifetime so far um, researching and learning and interviewing and that's Mm. my way of coping. Well, imagine everyone, if everyone did that in this country and, and stop relying on Aboriginal people to tell our stories when there's, you know, there's not many of us left. So, you know, I, I applaud you on your, on seeking that truth yourself in your journey, because that's what people need to do. And that's what the general population needs to do. They need to seek out the truth so that they can own it and so that we can right the wrongs of the past and, and get on with it. You know, when Sorry Day comes around, you know, I I get so infuriated and, and, and I always remember and, and I, sh- I should forget about it really and I shouldn't harp on it, but I can't help it, Lydia. You know, I, I have had a, a person in my home, um, I'd say last year sometime, and, and had a look at these... Um, these paintings and they were beautiful Aboriginal paintings that were hanging up. Oh, what's that? That that's a savagery. That is that was, that was done by savages. And I, I said, get out. I said, get out of here. It's really racist. I do not want to hear another word. And I haven't let those people back in my home again. And I will not have that type of racism in 2017 for that to to still happen, Lydia. What does that say? What does that say? You only need to look at my pers- my um, Lydia Thorpe Facebook private inboxes. <laughs> you know, every yeah. day I get um, racist comments and they're from a whole range of different um, backgrounds and, and socio, you know, economic status, the whole lot, black, white, you name it. There's so much ignorance. Yes. In this country that it needs to be addressed. And this, you know, we need to ensure that true history is taught in every education facility in this country from from preschool through to university. Yes. Primary, secondary, every every educational institution it needs to be part of the curriculum and it needs to have the truth of this country. 
you know, and, and all the over-representation of, of incarceration, shouldn't, shouldn't the government be, you know, instead of locking up youth, you know, redirect the funds to, more, to, to better programs for, towards education and healthcare and, and housing and Aboriginal healthcare? Oh, uh, look, I, I just, I can't fathom that. I, I just don't, I under, I can't understand where people's thinking is at where they can spend, you know, this government spending over $200 million on a new facility to lock young people up. It's absurd. And all I can put it down to is, you know, two, two sides of, two, two of the major parties just fighting over who can be tougher on crime and who's beating their chest the, the hardest and who can spend, you know, who can lock more people up, particularly young people. You know, that's not um, the answer. Locking children up is, is certainly not the answer. And why aren't we investing in those preventative programs that do work, that have worked for, you know, in other um, areas that have, that have had funding cuts? I use one example of a place um, on Gunai Country, which is a, you know, it's an old prison site, but it was a prison with no walls, like a bit of a country farm. And Aboriginal men, um, this is Wongangu Nalu I'm talking about. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty good model where Aboriginal men come together who are on um, orders. The last, you know, it's kind of the last, Place they go before they go to prison. If they if they muck up at Wungungu Nalu, then they go to prison. But um, they do cultural business. They do all the things that strengthen themselves um, as Aboriginal men. And that's you know I won't I don't know the full detail. I know sure. that it works pretty well. That's good. Not my business to know all the detail. And I just can't understand why we can't have those kinds of places for our young people, where our old people are involved in that, um, you know, that preventative stuff that works. Our, our, our young people need to know who they are, where they come from and how they connect into society today. And I just, I just think that something like that would be a, a better investment for this government to think about um, than locking kids up. As Sam Watson said, you know, when that report came out recently about closing the gap, there was only one in Queensland and I, and I believe a couple of recommendations in, in Victoria and one of them, oh, well, they're going to school. I mean, big deal. What's happening at school? What support are they getting? What education are they getting? None of the other recommendations well, upheld at all were done. Well, you know, our population's grown as well. So... How are those statistics, you know, let's really wind back the stats a bit and look at our population to what it was, say, 10 years ago. And I think it's grown significantly. So whilst it shows that our kids are at school, it says that our kids are, you know, doing year 12. Well, what kind of year 12 are they doing? Are they ticking them off because they're enrolled in year 12? Or, you know, how many VCE kids do we have? completing year 12. If you look at those kind of stats, drill down further, then it's, you know, it's not as great as they, they say it is. 
So I know that's certainly the case for Victoria. Well, everyone's just thrown in the one, you know, bag and and it's thrown up there as this wonderful statistic. I mean, I'm, I've got a, um, you know, I'm, I'm working with a, a young girl who's doing Year 12. She's struggling. And when I talk to her about why that's happening, you, you know, it's, it's more than just going to school. It's the whole family that needs to be supported in this space. Mm. When you're dealing with child removals and, and, you know, people being locked up um, from your family, it's pretty hard to think and think about school. So we need to look at healing families from a holistic point of view, not just, you know... Um, in silos and that's how we've worked for thousands of years we always look at health and and well-being in a from a holistic perspective absolutely and 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 holistic perspective exactly and Mm. while we're mentioning um the holistic perspective I, i i did forget actually and I need to incorporate this into the interview if you could talk about just what land you're from because I think that's really important for listeners it's you're not just from Victoria you're you you are also from country as well yeah so I'm a um Ganai Gunajamara woman but my matriarchal kinship line is straight to Japarung country in of the Gunditjmara, which is the Western Districts of Victoria. So that's my unbroken matriarchal kinship line. Very strong line of, of uh, women. And um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very connected to, to my country and my people. And I still check in with my elders to make sure that I'm doing and saying the right things, even as an MP. Well, that's great. That, that that's good that you you feel you it's important for you to be accountable. That's a good thing. Absolutely. And, and what's going to happen when when our old people when they're all gone? Well, that's why we need to make sure we're looking after our old people now, and we need to, you know, our old people haven't been given the respect and the authority that they deserve in this day and age. We only need to look at the Victorian treaty process. Our old people have been totally shut out of that process. Um, And, you know, it just defies the the whole cultural um, safety and all the, you know, self-determination and all these deadly words that um, government talk about. Uh, If you don't have the authority from the elders, then what, what's the point? What are we talking about here? That's so, true. yeah, I think that um, I'm, I'm coming from that perspective as an Aboriginal woman, as a Japarung woman, and as the MP for Northgate. I want to hear from the old people. I want to hear from um, the authority. Exactly. It's approximately 4.50 and you're um, listening to an interview with Lydia Thorpe. Um, and it's interesting, you know, one of, one of the things that's important to say as well is that, you know, Kevin Rudd's apology was symbolic, as Sam said, but at the same time yeah. we really need to reflect on 
the fact that, as he said, it's a long journey. It's still a long journey. Oh, for sure. And good on Rudd for saying sorry. But, you know, what are we going to do about it? Yes, it is a long journey, but how many more people need to, to die because they're, they're struggling with being stolen? And, and, you know, the government have admitted wrongdoing by saying sorry. And yet I've got two sister girls that I grew up with saying that they, they hope to make it to 50. Oh. So, you know, I, I know it's a long journey, but there's things that can happen now. You know, there's, there's stolen gen money held up or reparations held up in the courts right now. They should be fast-tracked right now. There's no reason for courts to be holding up what's owed to, to these followers. Why are, they, is it hold, why are they holding up that money, Lydia? Well, that's what I'm asking. So when I get the answer, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I'm certainly asking that question, and I'll be asking a question um, this week in Parliament. Good. Because the Do and Time show, we make it our business to interview people um, on topics such as these, which the media really glosses over. And, mm. you know, one, one of the important things to consider here, you know, it's, it's okay, isn't it, for um, a bureaucrat to get compensation for, you know, or a developer to get compensation, you know, but, but mm -hmm. what about this very important thing? that they need compensation, the, 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 the Aboriginal people, for being stolen. It's very important. Well, yeah, and, and I think, you know, what, uh, is, is the government worried about opening it up for further litigation? I don't know. Um, I think there's a nervousness about, you know, particularly treaties. The questions I'm being asked in the mainstream is, oh, well, you know, what kind of money are we talking about? Well, hang on, we haven't asked for any money. We just want the injustices to bloody stop for the moment. It's all about money, isn't it? It's all about yeah. money. Yeah. You know, we can't take our money with us when we die. Mm. Stop stealing our children and stop locking our people up. That's a really good start. And Let our families heal. And up and also uphold the recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody. That's a good start Absolutely. too. And the inquiry into the removal of children. Lydia, thank There's you so much. Recommendation. Recommendation, yeah. yep. exactly. Yeah. And we will have to actually have you back on to talk about that at some stage because I don't think that um, that's really talked about all that much. No, it's not. It seems, and I actually didn't realise that there were so many recommendations that haven't been fulfilled. So I'm, I'm actually looking into that also. Which, sorry, um, just for listeners, which document was that? Um, it was the inquiry into the removal of children. It's a Victorian inquiry, ah. and my mother was actually the um, co-commissioner with Sir Ronald Wilson. And it was a, you know, it was a lengthy process of um, interviewing a lot of um, stolen generation members who told their story to the inquiry. And for those people that were part of that inquiry, including my mother, to hear hundreds of, you know, 
horrific story um, takes its toll. And we need to make sure that that inquiry is brought to the, you know, brought back into the space to um, be fulfilled and questions need to be asked. Absolutely. Can you find that on the internet, Lydia? You should be able to. Look, I, I've, um, I've only just been looking at this today myself, so it's on my staff list of things to do. Sure. <laughs> um, but, yes, you should be able to do that. It's a state inquiry, removal of children. State inquiry, removal of children, if listeners are interested yeah, in pursuing that further. Full name. That's okay. We can look at that some other time. It's approximately 4.55 and we've got about five minutes left of our show. Lydia, thanks so much for coming onto the program and keep up the good work. No worries. Thanks for having me. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 And that was Lydia Thorpe um, who spoke to us about Sorry Day and she she is... is, um, Sorry, I just had a blank there. She She's actually an, an MP for the Greens, but not only that, she's very much in touch with her people and she's spoken about a range of topics in regards to First Nations people. Well, um, I was just going to say, doing time show is about like um, prison issues and um, hmm. human rights, but um, Indigenous issues is very important on this show because we've been colonised and that's part of the prison prison system basically absolutely i mean uh, aboriginal that's people that's why we yeah. in- interview about sorry day and stuff like mm. that and not only that but i mean this has been a marked intervention since 1788 and you know this, this has been a prison colony so yeah so pretty soon in about a minute um we'll be going out with our theme song black fella white fella from the rumpy band Yep, we better go out now. And <laughs> thank you to to everybody um, for listening and stay in um, stay to in tune every Monday from four to five for the Do and Time Show. Okay, t- bye. Take it easy, everyone. Bye bye.